You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's show. Uh, yet again, not a vast amount of news, but what we have got is probably worth talking about. And to talk about the news, I am joined this week by Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, it's been a I've not done one of these tech shows for a little while now. No, indeed not. But there you go. You are now free from the constraints of working, just like most of the rest of us. And uh, you are available to come on. So there you go. I am, yeah. And if anybody wants a, a completely useless guest to type a few hours on a podcast, I am available 24-7, especially now I've cracked my iPad mobile setup. And I, I'm going to do a quick plug here. And I'm also available on the Watching Men podcast as well. I thought I'd shoehorn that in. Uh, I thought I'd, yeah, I took a bit of time out from doing podcasting because of work and that life thing. But now... Yep, I'm available. Weddings, bar mitzvahs, anything really. I might yeah. even see if I can go on the uh, the show there with Guy and Gaz. Yeah, <laughs> sure, why not? And I'm also joined uh, by regular co-host Donny. Hello, Donny. Hello. And of Good course, luck finding a wedding or bar mitzvah or anything to get onto with these days. <laughs> well, why don't we do it virtual? virtual. Well, yeah. right, no. Number one, I've had a couple of ideas since I've last been on the show. Virtual weddings, as long as you don't use Zoom, because who would have thought enterprise technology aimed at enterprises would be leakier than a sieve? But I've had, I've had, an, I've had a new business idea. Right, we're all familiar with the YouTube unboxing stuff, yeah? Oh, we've yes. all watched it, we've all been guilty. Why don't we try and get trending reboxing? We try and put the item back into the packaging as good as it came out. I think that's on to win. That's there. a good idea. I think you have a, uh, a, uh, a hit there. Yeah, that could be you heard it here first. Run it, run it backwards. That's all you got to do. And, and if you really want to make it fun and interesting, include the audio backwards. We're afraid. That's not as funny as trying to squeeze all the styrofoam insulation <laughs> oh, into the box and getting everything to fit in perfectly. But see, that's where it would be even funnier with all the peanuts and everything just magically flying back into the box. <laughs> the best bit for me is like once you've uncurled the, uh, you know, the head, the, the earphones, ever tried winding them back up again the way they do them? I don't know. They must have I want some... to see the robot that does that. I want to, I'm going to go on YouTube and find the robot who, quick poll for everyone. When you get any product, where do we all stand on taking off the plastic protective thingy? I always leave it on until it's so disgusting that it actually constitutes a health risk. No, rip it off. Rip it off. Uh, It pretty much, and now it's going to come off even faster. Thank you for that visual. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. And as you can hear, we are joined, of course, by Guy. Hello, Guy. Hello, Simon. How are you, sir? I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. Yeah, we're all okay. Yeah, we, we've had we've had a heck of a time 
getting started this morning. <laughs> yes, it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a thing. Um, Guy uh, couldn't get into his wire, um, which he, he already had an account on wire, but for some reason that wouldn't let him log in. Um, but he's not the first person today who I've spoken to who's had that issue. My friend in Australia um, was talking to me on her phone, um, you know, or texting anyway across wire, and then uh, she wanted to send me a file. So she tried to open the wire app on her PC and had exactly the same thing. It wouldn't let her log in. Um she yeah. created a new account um, um, to just to send me a file, which was a bit OTT. But uh, Guy not only had to try and create a new account, he then had the issue where it would uh, it was refusing to let him choose his uh, sound input. So we've uh, we've changed for this show. We've moved over to Skype for a change. Uh, so there you go. All that. and then after that, subsequent to that, we've been talking about microphones and microphone stands and all sorts of other audio-related issues because, well, because Guy really, really likes talking about microphones and microphone stands. <laughs> I do. He does indeed. So anyway, there we are. Um, so this week, what stories are in the news? Um, the the first one, Apple's iPad is ten. 10 years old since the launch of the iPad. Um, there we go. I don't think there's a huge amount to say about that, really. Uh, did, did anybody here have an original iPad? I think I, I still do. <laughs> I don't use it anymore, but um, I, I think I still have one. I remember I when it came out, everybody just said it's a giant iPod Touch. Yeah. yeah same here. <laughs> Are we any further ahead, though, than... A giant iPad Touch, considering that all these brain apps and all this stuff which is supposed to happen is basically, it's a damn good internet browser. I'll give it that, but I wish we could get some more pro-style apps other than drawing. I, I get that it lends itself nicely to that medium, but oh, what I wouldn't give for Final Cut or a slimmed down, half-decent version of Final Cut right now. Well, there's um there, there's a couple of, of video apps that uh, that have multi-track editing and, and things along those lines. Most of the problems with trying to edit either multi-track video or, or multi-track audio has been in the, the selection process and in the process of, you know, I just want this little part of this little part. You know, it, it, with touch, depending on how it was programmed, it, it was possible, but it was always a pain in the ass. Um, when Fusion the, has that problem. If you... If you're using, if you want to do a bit of trimming, it's okay. Um, I think Ferrite does a far, far better job. But at least we've got mouse support now, which does help with moving things around and doing the more delicate um, yes. sort of touches. I would agree. Very much so. Very much so. So, Mark, um, I, I take it that you have been experimenting with um, mouse support then on your iPad? I have. And I don't know why. But I was just so incredibly giddy with excitement that a device that I've been using for the last three decades is now available on the iPad. But it's had a weird effect that I think I'd rather use a pencil than a mouse. I, I don't know why, and I know it's completely irrational, but having that finer granulated control is very, very helpful. Because now I'm looking at my iPad, I'm thinking, well, I've got an iPad, yep, I've got the keyboard for it, yep, I could go and get the mouse. Then all of a sudden I realise I've got three ways of interacting with the device, and I sort of feel like I should focus more on 
one way rather than many ways, if that makes sense. Because no, to so give you an example, like using the keyboard's brilliant, but unless you train yourself to learn all the keyboard shortcuts, you actually it feels like, like it takes longer to go from the keyboard to touch the screen than it does to go from the keyboard to the mouse. I bet there's been some study about that somewhere. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I've all I've done is I've watched uh, you know Craig Federighi's video, and I've heard people talking about it. Obviously, I don't have an iPad myself, um, so I don't really have a lot to say on the subject. Uh, well, the thing is, what constitutes an iPad Pro now? Because the the lines are so blurred because the the new non-pro model is such a beast of a monster is it just purely the screen now in a bit of a in a bit a bit of a better gpu it may it... also be the number of cores that are activated but at the same time if you have an ipad with say six out of eight cores that are active you're not really going to notice that much of a difference between one that has eight out of eight cores active no true true and i I, I am appreciating the extra cores now because I'm pushing out a couple of YouTube videos every now and again. And uh, I'm trying to get a speed test. I'm trying to find someone who's got a sort of semi-new uh, iMac. And I want to we'll both have the same 4K video. I'm going to bang it into LumaFusion. They can put it into Handbrake or Final Cut and just export it to 1080p and do a speed test i'd be really interested in that personally yeah that would be be interesting it would be an interesting experiment for sure it's a bit like um do we all remember when you know which one was it the iphone 10 was it when that came out and people were comparing that against um against desktop machines encoding the sound and video oh single core it's a beast this is the thing we've come what what have like what Apple have done? They basically what we're using now. If you get a keyboard and a mouse, you've basically got the Microsoft Surface RT, which I thought in principle was a blinking good machine, but it didn't have the apps. And I wonder if Apple's decided to. Is this Apple's first way of saying we've got you sort of comfortable using ARM processors? We've got you comfortable that we can do the speed and the updates. Now you can do this on an iPad. Are they setting us up for an ARM-based laptop, or is that just no point now because this is what the iPad is? It's an ARM-based laptop. Uh, I think it's an. I think that the iPad is an ARM-based laptop. I was. I was one of the pushers of, of Mac moving to ARM for many, many years. I, I talked about it incessantly, and, and everybody told me I was crazy until Ming-Chi Kuo said the same thing. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah, well, that could happen. But now I've, I've with the release of the, the most recent Mac Pro, I've completely changed my mind on this. And I think that the Mac is going to stay Intel. And what they're going to do instead is just add more and more desktop-like features to the iPad OS. And I think that the iPad OS is where Apple is trying to push the vast majority of their users. It, it's just the type of machine, number one, you'll you'll end up and you know this is and let, let's face it, Apple is in the business to make money. You'll end up replacing it more often than you would a Mac. I mean people hold on to their Macs for seven to ten years. But you don't hear you don't hear about people still using a seven to ten year old iPad. So if if Apple can get the churn rate to increase to where they're replacing uh, their iPads every two to five years, well then that even at 
at a lower cost. That still means more money for them. Uh, on the other hand, it also allows them to uh, be a little more innovative in the iPad OS because there won't be as many of the older devices that are still out there. True. Uh, Sorry, go on, Donnie. I was going to say, last week I was saying how I think the they're positioning the iPad Pro to be the replacement for the consumer laptop line, but I was just thinking, I have a Mac Mini sitting in front of me, and it's bring your own screen, bring your own keyboard, bring your own mouse or or um, trackpad, and it's almost like that's what the iPads become. Bring your own keyboard, bring your own trackpad or mouse now. The screen's there, but it's also, you don't have to buy those if you don't want to. You can still use it without them, so there's it's almost like the Mac Mini without having to get a keyboard or a mouse because you really don't need them unless you want them. Yeah. Well, it's, it is it is quite weird, isn't it, that we're 10 years down the road, it was it last week, Apple released a keyboard for the, a brand spanking new keyboard, which looks gorgeous, by the way, for pretty much half the price or as close as, as the original iPad. Definitely. Well, it's certainly not a cheap, uh, cheap piece. I'm, I was just looking here, though. I saw a piece earlier um, today saying uh, Intel's latest chips bring five gigahertz clock speed to gaming PCs. So, um... yeah, but you know, but, uh, Apple's never going to. You can maybe see that chip hitting an iMac Pro down the road. Maybe down the road, but Apple's shown that you know they hold gaming in content, you know, contentment unless it's on an iPad or it's on an iOS device. The Max, I would love, absolutely love to be able to do a little bit of serious gaming, something like Phoenix Point. But to do that, I've got to buy a Thunderbolt um, extension thingy box and a graphics card, and that's about whoa, more or less 600 quid. I think that would cost you gaming for that. I might as well just go and buy a PlayStation or an Xbox. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think the, the Air, that's the 10.5-inch one, isn't it? The middle price one now. I yeah. think that one, I think they need to get rid of that one. It kind of confuses um, the whole thing because I have a 10.5-inch iPad Pro. When I get rid of this, I'm not sure if I'm going to get another iPad Pro or if I get the Air, depending on the processor in it, because it still uses the pencil and probably does everything I need it to do. And you don't I don't need, see. You don't even need a reason to get a Pro. You don't even need the Air for that. You, I mean, the um, I bought my wife, as I've said before, for Christmas the the new, you know, the new iPad, um, you know, the basic one that supports a pencil now, if you want. Um, right, mm-hmm. but I'm used to the bigger screen now too. So yeah, for drawing but, and and, and don't forget that the uh, the new keyboard that's coming out will will it's got floatiness in it. <laughs> yeah, you need a pro for oh, that. that. That's, that's the that reason you... to get the pro. Yeah, yeah. You, you just you just have to have yeah you, you got to have the float because everything floats, Georgie. <laughs> I don't even use a keyboard with my iPad. That new keyboard, though, that is that is just tech porn. That <laughs> is, it is. It is just tech porn. I saw Craig Federici when he was doing his demonstration for 13, 4, 5, 13, whatever, whatever the demo was for him showing everybody how to do the, you know, all the gestures and the stuff. And he was using that keyboard. I guess it was a pre-production version of that keyboard. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, I can't even use that with my current iPad. And I still want it. <laughs> 
you have to send me a link to that. I, I feel like I've missed quite a lot in the. Uh, oh. If you, if you well, send me I, a link to that, I just put a link in for a video that uh, I have up on Vimeo that I shot ten years ago at the Clarendon Apple Store. <clears throat> Excuse me, Clarendon Apple Store of people standing in line waiting to uh, buy the first generation iPad. And it's basically, it's a series of questions that I asked each person. I asked each person the same question and then just edited it all together. I'm going to watch that afterwards. The, just have a look on the Wikipedia thing. This is, I always like to go back in time and see what people have said. When it was first released, Walt Moss, Walt Moss, Walt, oh, what's his name? Mossberg. Called it pretty close to a laptop, laptop killer. Do we think that's still the case, or are we still pretty close to it being a laptop killer? Depends on what. Yeah, it's definitely a lot further along. That's that. That's for sure. Um, I, I think, in, you know, it, calling it a laptop killer in the uh, the earlier versions was a long way from the mark. And I mean, even Steve never attempted to say that it was meant to replace your laptop. He, you know, Steve definitely positioned it as a an in in between device. Um, I I think a lot of it was simply you you have to you have to first understand what your own expectations are for a laptop. If if you're checking your email and you're going on Facebook and you're watching YouTube videos and you know, I mean just doing the the, the regular normal stuff that that 90% of people who who buy computers does, you know, writing letters or what have you, then something like something like an iPad is is just fine. It'll do everything that you want it to. If you need to do a little bit more and you know, we're getting to the point. I mean, I was I was doing podcasts on a third gen iPad back in 2014. And was it easy? No. Was it better? No. But it could be done. And it's it's becoming a, a more and more capable machine as the years go by, including uh, ease of use. And we're, we're now at a point where, you know, the when you look at what Apple has done with, and I hesitate to even call it a, a mouse pointer. It's really, it's just a cursor. It's just a cursor on the screen that you manipulate either through a mouse or through a trackpad or, or whatever. And they have taken what people can think about as far as, as a cursor goes. Because if you look at your computer, you move your cursor around, it's a little arrow and it, it goes wherever you want it to. And you take the point of that arrow and you click on whatever it is you want to do. With the iPad, the cursor changes depending on where it is. And it's a smart cursor. It, 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 it hovers over a button, it becomes the button. It hovers over text, it becomes something to copy or select text. Uh, it, it changes based on what it is that, granted, the iPad OS thinks that you're going to use it for. And it's, it's brilliant the way that it works, it, but it, it does require significant amount of effort in order to change how you use a computer from being purely mouse-driven to being uh, cursor-driven, and there's a difference between those two. I, I would say it's more, less, well, now you put it that way, I would say it's less of a mouse pointer, more a contextual pointer, and, yeah. that, and that's a really fancy way of saying it. Uh, I've only used it for 
literally a couple of minutes and again lumen fusion it was just so nice just to be able to do small increments and not do the thing of oh my fingers just had a bit of a wobble gonna go back to the undo button and redo it all again yeah so it's yeah it's for me it's almost there that that's the magic right there it changes depending on what it is that it thinks you want to do there we go Uh, definitely and as um uh, you got a lot more out of that that topic than you thought you were going <laughs> yeah. to. And and you know, <laughs> I do, I will reiterate what Ronnie said last week, which was you know, it's it. All these things are added on the top. They're layers of complexity which you can you know access if you want. The multitasking, the slide over, the keyboard support, the um, you know, the new mouse uh, support, all those things. But if you you know, if you uh, only want to use it in the way that you've always used an iPad, that is to sit there and swipe away with your finger and tap on things. There is nothing, you know, that is not in any way impacted by the new features. So there you go. It's there if you want it. Yeah, it's there if you want it, it, which is great. Um, I think that's exactly how it should be. It should not interfere with the way that you... um, you know, or change. We're used to doing stuff already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cha- changing the uh, the way that a machine has always worked it usually backfires horribly. And um, I'm looking at you, Adobe, for changing whether the sh- when the shift constrains things. Thank you very much. Yeah, you've got one too many letters in shift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so uh, ten years on from the original iPad. <laughs> It's still pretty close to being a laptop replacement. I think yes, for a lot of it is a laptop replacement. I think it is for a lot of people. Um, I mean, yeah, it didn't have printing when it came out, which is a big game changer for making it a laptop replacement. For most people, most people have to be able to print and print. You, that was the biggest I think thing, and then copy and paste came along, which made it more useful. So, if it if it maybe was a seven out of 10 or six out of 10 for most people when it first came out i'd say it's more like a nine out of 10 now closer to being a laptop replacement i think it's almost there and for most people like i said that use it for email internet browsing stuff and gaming it is a replacement yeah very much so it's not going to play crisis or or your typical pc games but it's an pad yeah yeah Yeah, the games are pretty good that are on it they are. Yeah, they are. I've oh, been playing a lot more Apple Arcade games lately. Uh, mentioning games, I'll just while it comes to mind uh, for anybody who's interested, Monument Valley Two has just gone free in the App Store. So if you ever played Monument Valley and uh, have not played Monument Valley Two, you can now have it for free. And any of you boys ever played Monument Valley? Never heard of it before. Today. No, I think I played it for five minutes when it was. But it I w- couldn't get into it, but I have it. It's um, it won a, a bucket full of awards. It's a few years old now, probably five or six years ago. Um, you have to steer the 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 protagonist around an uh, a sort of MC Escher esque landscape, and um, it's a sort of a puzzle. You know, how how do I get from point A to point B? With you know, I have to go over there and stand on the switch and then go over there but because it's uh mc escher-esque as you rotate the landscape things are not necessarily how they appear um the perspective can change if you if you rotate you can rotate something and what appeared to be um you know a beam will turn into a bridge or a, a slide or a staircase it's a very very good game i enjoyed it a lot and um 
I've just downloaded the new version. So there we go. Well, it's not new. Obviously, Monument Valley 2 is not new at all, but it's now free. So uh, as soon as I'm a poor cheapskate... It's, I've new to, d- it's new to free. It's new to being free, indeed. So I've downloaded <laughs> it. There we go, because as I, I say... It's like $5 normally, isn't it? I, I don't know how much it is normally, to be honest. Um, but anyway, it's free now. So if you'd like to try it for free, go go download it. There we are. Um. Now, this this next story broke literally whilst um, Bart and I were recording uh, the Let's Talk Apple on um, Tuesday night, I think. Um, Amazon Prime Video now allows in-app rentals and purchases on iPhone, iPad and Apple TV. Um, And I, in fact, actually took advantage of this last night because uh, my wife and I decided we wanted to watch uh, Knives Out, which is the uh, Mm. Daniel Craig whodunit. And um, we we clicked on it and it was like, you need to rent this film for four pounds or something, whatever it was, four or five pounds. And uh, it just popped up, you know, just click here to uh, to pay. No being sent off to, you know, Amazon.com or anything. Uh, we just right. purchased Apple it. Apple doesn't get anything from no. that rental. They've now, um, yeah, That's apparently. really amazing. Apparently they've, you know, apparently they had an existing premium video provider program, uh, which nobody would ever heard of until Amazon. <laughs> Uh, so I think somewhere behind the scenes, somebody, some legal teams have been sweating blood for a considerable amount of time to come to an arrangement to allow that to happen. Because uh, it makes you wonder if Tinder will be next. Yeah, indeed. Um, also makes you wonder, doesn't it, if somebody like um, Disney Plus or um, someone like that might be added to Hulu this. Or, yeah. yeah, or Hulu, uh, you know. Well, Disney Plus, you can't buy anything. In it, it's just streaming. No, so. you get no, yeah. but it could be added. Sign through, up, I think, in the app. Yeah, but I mean, um, to in order to uh, do um, Disney Plus, I think we had to sign up on the iPhone and then go to the, you know, go to the Apple TV huh. with your phone, and and then it says, "Do you want to, uh, you know, allow this device?" Something like that. Anyway, that's by the by. That's interesting. Um, there we are. Um, so, you know, that, that it doesn't sound like much. There was much. a bit of a conspiracy theory about this, wasn't there, to start off with, because people were going, oh, my God, it's a mistake. You know, Apple have cocked up something, or Amazon have managed to find their way around things, and uh, it nope. just turns out that we didn't know about this. And it wasn't really announced with that much fanfare, was it? I didn't... I'm, no. I, I mean, I know I'm out of the Apple news at the moment. No, it did. there it was no appear. real fanfare. It just kind of... Um, it just kind of happened. There was no announcement, as far as I'm aware of. Um, I think somebody uh, discovered it, no doubt, by doing exactly the same as me, clicking on, um, you know, a, a film in the Amazon listing and it coming up with, you know, you, would you like to rent this? Just click here. Um, and that story broke <laughs> literally as uh, Bart and I were recording. So The truth is Apple secretly bought Amazon and they're all one family now. And... <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's yeah. that rumor. Apple's on. That's the name of the new company. Yeah. <laughs> well, the two have been getting quite close together, haven't they? Because I think it was this Black Friday that's just gone, uh, and a few other times. There seems to be an awful lot of discounts in promotions and 
uh, like on iPads, especially like price drops, especially in the USA on the Amazon site. So it definitely seems to be a partnership where they're cozying up together. I think they are very much because, yeah, I mean, at one point they had a, a spat, didn't they? Because Apple wouldn't, you know, wouldn't waive the 30% cut. And so Amazon got, you know, got very, very grumpy about that and refused to stock things like the Apple TV and, um, but I assume, like all all such things, money talks in the end, and uh, no doubt an agreement. Keep that share price up. Got to exactly. keep that share price up. Exactly. Um, there we are. So that's that's that really. Um, and apparently, Apple's new iCloud feature for iPhone and Mac may make you kiss Dropbox goodbye. Uh, this was on yep. CNET, and they are, of course, talking about. The now finally uh, released uh, folder sharing in iCloud. Um, I haven't used it. I have to admit, I I'm still not that convinced by iCloud. It it messes me about often enough that I prefer to rely on um, my OneDrive uh, because actually that is one thing that Microsoft really seem to be able to manage very well indeed. Um, and I've had it ever since it was called SkyDrive or something, um, before the <laughs> the Murdoch Empire said you can't have that name. Um, I suppose it does help that I've got a large amount of data on, um, on my um, OneDrive uh, because I've got about 20 gigs or something grandfathered in from signing up when it was brand new and... Uh, Microsoft saying if you install this on your on your iPhone we'll bung you an extra 20 gig for life for free so there you go 20 gigs yeah I think I've got something like that 15 or 20 gigs they gave me for free yeah I remember that promotion I think I got that as well now the the OneDrive in all Dropbox were all very well and good but when you're dealing with someone who's not technically proficient uh, in in a situation that I'm in my, my business colleague doesn't have the time to do you know Go on to Microsoft, sign up, um, put things into um, Microsoft. Because when, once you start doing that, it's a slippery slope for us because you put things into um, OneDrive and it's normally always a Word document. And then that means you've got to stump up the $7.99. So for us, having a shareable folder that I can put pages and numbers and finally become all Apple inclusive on one platform, it's been absolutely brilliant. I worry, as I think Simon said quite rightly, Apple and cloud syncing stuff is still a bit weird because if I take a picture on my phone, you'd never quite know how long it's going to take for it to appear in photos on my other devices. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fingers crossed we've got the feature, and I like the fact I can put a shared folder into, sorry, a shared document into a shared folder, or sorry, put a document into a shared folder use all of Apple's stuff and I don't have to worry about paying for extra subscriptions or sign up to use Word or stuff like that. So on that, uh, and fingers it. crossed. Yeah, sorry, guys. Who's, who's been given access to that folder will see it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you, still, and you still control permissions to that document or whatever it is that you put in there. So they can't necessarily delete it or change it or whatever unless you specifically give permissions to do so. And we we can sort of assume right now that it's not going too badly because if anything was to get deleted or go missing or there, there would be somebody somewhere outraged. Yeah, you hear about and, it. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. You would hear about it. If, if it wasn't working, at, you know, at least pretty yeah, well. There'd be a gate. They'd, yeah, there'd be, a, there'd be an iCloud Some gate. Kind of yeah, folder yeah. gate or some such, yeah. But there we go. Um, so that's that's now live. Um, as when I say, you guys used it. I tried it and sent the file to my wife, and it made her sign into iCloud. And I thought it was just supposed to be you could just yeah share um, it with somebody. Well, I think I think one of the one of the restrictions is that the other person has to have an iCloud account. Yeah, everybody has to have an Apple ID. Which, from Apple's perspective, yeah, from Apple's perspective, that makes sense because they want people to be lumped into their services. I'm not saying that I necessarily agree with it, just that it makes sense from a corporate, you know, on a corporate level for them to do that. So it's not, stay... it's not worldwide sharing, so to speak. No, I don't think it would be. Sharing. Like Dropbox. But you can, you can send or share documents without having the other person be uh, in I, iCloud. Can, that's what I, I sent. I shared a document with her and it made her sign into iCloud. Really, I, uh, thought, I thought that was just for folder sharing. Well, well, I, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I'm looking at a file about it now. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm wrong all the time. I've had a folder shared with me over so uh, the, the host of the Back and Forth show, Carl, uh, originally sent me a shared folder link and it didn't work because I hadn't upgraded my uh, iOS. Upgraded the phone, rebooted it. Went in, and yeah, there it is, access to a folder. The file doesn't download unless you want it to download. Uh, I didn't have to sign in or do anything like that. It was just the way that the, the link was shared. I think if you share a folder and you are, you're both on iOS, it just goes, there you go. If you go into, say, Pages and share a file in Pages, that might have a different mechanism, yeah, maybe. because you'd have to have the Pages application. Yeah. Um, right, so here we go. Whether that was virtual or as an application, you'd need it in one way or the other. It says here, uh, on CNET, before using iCloud Drive, read this. There are a few things to be aware of before you start sharing folders with colleagues and family members. Anyone viewing, adding, or editing files in a shared folder will need to have an Apple ID. Uh, you, as well as anyone you share with, will need to be on iOS 13.4, iPad OS 13.4, or Catalina 10.15.4. A shared folder counts towards the owner's iCloud drive storage, but not those they share with. Um, Pages, numbers, or keynote documents shared in an iCloud folder will be converted to a collaborative document. Um... Anyone with access can make changes and have their edits tracked. Um, if you begin using iCloud folder sharing, you will likely want or need to increase your storage plan. There we go. So it is Apple to Apple. Yeah, I don't. Um, well, I, or if you, I guess you could be Windows if you had an, an Apple ID. Yeah, because you can get... Yeah. Um, and then you that, would use the online version of pages or numbers yeah, or whatever. Yeah, because you can have... To, um, uh, do something with the document. Because there's, there's iCloud for Windows, which you um, can install. Right. But you, yeah, you have to have an Apple ID. Although, um, I guess lots and lots of people have Apple IDs because they have, you know, whether it's... You, know, you don't have to be um, a Mac user to have an Apple ID for Apple Music or, or whatever. Um, there we go. So, folder sharing is finally here, although with those caveats, you have to be on the latest OSs. Um, Apple have acquired the 
weather app Dark Sky. Um, and much to the chagrin of Android uh, users, they have then pulled the Android version of said app. Um, other than that, there's you know nobody really knows what's going to happen. Um, I'm assuming that Apple are going to fold the uh, Dark Sky technology into their into their own weather app because their own weather app is, let's face it, pretty poor. Well, so they didn't waste any time taking it down from Android, did they? No. Uh, I, I, I think Dark Sky was one of the, the, the few apps that I paid for when it first came out, and I've, I've enjoyed it ever since. It, I found it, though. It's been a little bit less accurate with the weather. It's like I've been, uh, when I was working, I would be looking out the window, and it would be snowing, and it would say, no, no, no like, um, you know, cloudy. So it, I think it's lost a little bit of its accuracy over the last few months. Yeah. Is anyone else found that? Well, I don't use it, so I don't know. I, I My weather app of choice is a um, weather bug, which um, basically feeds me the weather report from the nearby um, RAF station. So... I get the weather report and uh, forecast according to the RAF weather boys at the very nearby airfield. There we go. Yeah, I, I just look out the window. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably the best way to do it. That's also so probably point, the best I way. Wish yeah. I could, is at this point, I wish I could remember um, some of the other companies that Apple, Apple, Apple has swallowed up and integrated into their team and think, well, what became of so-and-so and so-and-so? Sure. Well, mind is yeah, well, the, is that well, they haven't sort of done that here, but yeah, if I have half a memory. Well, the, the whole Sherlock thing, of course, was was that they didn't they didn't actually they didn't actually buy Sherlock, did they? That was the whole point. They <laughs> they added Sherlock esque yeah. features to their yeah, own. They just added, yeah, they just put the functionality in and left those guys hanging. Hanging, I don't yeah. Know why I'm laughing, it's, it wasn't really funny. Wasn't funny for them, no. Um, no. But there we go. Hence, hence the term. But um, yeah, Siri. Don is right. Siri was uh, was not an Apple technology. They bought that company. And look what they've done with it ever since. It seems pretty stagnant. Well, the uh, the follow on story. Um, another acquisition is Apple acquires AI startup Voices to improve Siri's natural language skills. Um, again, it's pretty damn good at the minute, though, isn't it? It's I when it first came out. Um, it, you you knew it was a computer generated voice, but now apart from a few weirdly constructed sentences, actually, does that maybe someone can give me a bit of technical support here? You know when you excuse me one second. <coughs> you know when you um, highlight some text and you go speak. Is that using Siri or is it just using a other variant of text to speech? I don't know. It's the honest answer to that. Because it seems a heck of a lot different. And I'm thinking, have I missed a setting somewhere? Or is it using the natural voice language? No, I, I really don't know, actually. Um, well, there's a good spot there to say, if you know, leave some feedback via the show on the Twitter at Essential Apple. And let me and the rest of the team know. I, I have downloaded the um, advanced language pack, uh, but it still seems to be very text to type like back in ye oldie days i must admit it's not something i do very much but um yeah you're right it doesn't it doesn't come out in the more natural siri kind of voice does it it seems rather more stilted it, yeah it feels like the um like i said the old days where 
it was very robotic in processed. So there we go. Um, that's all we know about that, really. Uh, what to do nine to five have to say about it? Um, after the surprise move of Apple buying Dark Sky, the hyperlocal weather app, Bloomberg has le- learned that it has purchased another company this week called Voices. This is an artificial intelligence startup which could help Apple improve Siri's skill at understanding natural language. Um, that would be nice. Yes, the Irish company Voices has been working on improving digital assistance in apps to understand more advanced requests. It's going to have a lot of work to do to catch up with the Amazon Echo because I I finally took the bullet. I've unboxed my Amazon Echo and holy moly, it's it's spooky. And I know you give up a hell of a lot of privacy. What? And like the fact it's probably listening to me now silently, you know, and judging. Some, yes, it's it's shade ready to shame me when it does a data leak like Zoom. Here we go. But uh, it's spookily good. Yep. Voices. In Siri, I've all go on then. With Siri, I always feel like you're waiting for Siri, whereas with Alexa, maybe it's just a quicker response time, but. You don't feel like there's always that pregnant pause, which it seems to be the more I use the echo, the more I'm starting to notice it with Siri. You go, actually, hey, ahoy, hoy, telephone thingy person, do something. And there's always that little bit of... Yeah, you have to wait, don't you, before it goes ding dong. Yeah, um, that is true. Uh, apparently, Voices' system taps into WaveNets, an AI-based method for creating more human-like computer speech first developed by Google's DeepMind. Voices co-founder uh, Peter Cahill said in 2018 his company managed to shrink its system to the point where once the AI is tri- trained, the software uses as little as 25 megabytes of memory. Um, that made it much easier to run on smartphones without an internet connection. Oh, what I wouldn't give for Siri to be able to do stuff offline again. Yep. Uh, Apple gave a standard boilerplate statement about acquisitions. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Apple, we buy smaller technology companies from time to time and generally do not discuss our purpose or plans. So there we are. So Does anyone, does anyone else miss Siri working offline? Yes, very much so. Um, even though I have a fairly good connection around here. Um Although I've said on, I've said before, haven't I? When when I didn't use Siri at all for a very long time because the connection around this area for a long time was nowhere near good enough. So I just used to use the um, voice control, which is still there, by the way. If you turn off Siri, you can still actually use voice commands. It's a lot less, you know, a lot less complex. It only does simple voice commands, but you can do things like, you know, call my wife or um, whatever. I find the whole thing about the natural speech and the AI quite interesting at the moment. There's an app or web service out there, and I can't remember what it is, uh, that you can upload some audio, it will transcribe it, and then you can actually jump back into the transcriptions. And if it's like, for example, you say, and, uh, and, or you want to replace a complete sentence, you can do and it will process it and actually sound like you've actually recorded it yourself. And I must, now I've just remembered that, I must go and hunt it out. Yep, a link to that would be good if you can find it, Mark, that's for sure. Um, so there we go, expect, uh, I'm assuming we're expecting improvements to Siri's natural language skills in the future based on that acquisition. 
Um, a white hat hacker was able to hijack the iPhone camera, and Apple has now fixed it. Um, and apparently he got 75000 was it? Or 750 I can't remember now. He got a considerable sum of money as a reward uh, for doing that. Which is interesting, because Apple have um, have had other bug exploits and just sort of ignored them. It's, I think this is the first time I can recall in as, as long as I can remember things, which isn't very long, to be fair, that they've actually acknowledged and then we've heard about an actual reward being given out. Well, of course, they did. Yeah, but they did. They did kind of um, after the FaceTime kind of debacle where, you know, somebody, uh, the, the woman and her son had attempted to tell Apple of the bug in FaceTime and it, it was a shambles. Was ignored, yeah. Ignored and, and, you know, put aside and whatnot. And then suddenly it broke and it was like a mad scramble to fix it. Uh, they did announce, didn't they, that they were going to have a proper bug bounty uh, program and that it would be open to everybody, not just selected, you know, invited um, researchers and so on. Um, he was able to hijack an iPhone camera using a chain of vulnerabilities he discovered. The same approach would also work with the cameras on Macs. Uh, he disclosed the vulnerabilities to Apple in December last year and the company fixed them, the most serious of them, in January and the rest last month. Um, and this comes out, this story comes out just at the right time for Apple to announce there's going to be an actual hardware disconnect on the, the new uh, the new MacBooks and uh, I think the Macs as well. Um, the I know that the iPad. I've got a story in the list here that the um, new iPad Pro cuts off the microphone when the case is closed. Uh, hardware disconnect. If, if you have that kind of, if you have a case with a magnetic. Um... Yeah, with a magnetic snap, obviously. Um, yeah. No doubt designed to promote the sales of Apple's own, uh, you know, magic uh, cover. Uh, but... <laughs> whatever, whatever they call it. Yeah. The magic well, cover that is not really quite all that magical. Yeah. Um, so there we go. So uh, apparently, somehow or other, by uh, chaining vulnerabilities together, uh, this guy um, was able to do so and uh, re reported it to Apple. And um, he re received 75,000 bug bounty payment. Um, and nice. he's. He found a total of seven zero-day vulnerabilities and was able to combine three of them to gain access to iPhone camera and microphone. There we go. Um, there we are. Now fixed. So thank you to uh, Mr. Pickren for that. We're all grateful, I'm sure. Um, and quite rightly, you know, I think it's quite right that Apple should give him a big financial bung. At for least doing it. Yep, there we are. Uh, right, so the new iPad Pro cuts off the microphone when the case is closed. Um, link there to The Verge. Don't think we've got much to say about that. Um, Mark, do, did, have you read something then or hints that the this will also apply to, to um, Macs then? I thought I did see a story. I would be amazed if there is not some uh, integration for this or they don't do it because... You know, all the, I'm lucky right now that I don't have any webcams, but it does make you wonder. I mean, especially what with this Zoom thingy going on. Indeed. Well, we'll get to Zoom because I've got a lot, a whole list of things yeah, we, about Zoom. We've got stuff to say about Zoom. We've got stuff to talk about Zoom. Um, 
Apple has apparently accidentally confirmed the tile-like AirTag name in a deleted support video, according to The Verge. Um, whoop-de-doo, I think they, it, it, everybody knows that uh, the tile-like AirTags are coming, so I don't think there's anything really very uh, surprising Tyler in that. are a little bit upset about that, aren't they? Because they're saying that... Um anti-competitive behavior because apple has access to apis and other stuff that tile doesn't have access to which it which is i'm on two sides of the fence here i can see why tile would be upset but i could see why apple would do it what would be your take on that guy i mean do you think that's fair that apple can like use all their goodies and sort of effectively hobble a entire line of products just because they have access to some code that the other hardware developers don't. Well, this this has been uh, an ongoing concern for many developers uh, over the years, especially uh, especially in iOS, um, because on on the Mac side, Apple can't control the ecosystem at all because it's you know it's, it's always been open. Whereas with iOS, uh, you um, unless you unless you are like a corporate entity and have special permissions. You can't, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't sideload applications on a, a, a non-altered iOS device or an iPad. So if Apple is going to jump into new markets and they're going to use their own special knowledge as far as, as what the code is that's either already in place or what's going to be coming in the future then Tile could have a case for anti-competitive behavior, especially since, you know, uh, Apple has been talking about this kind of technology for a while, but they haven't really released anything. So, you know, Apple is is kind of like the the king of the hill. You know, they're already there. And uh, if somebody else wants to play in the same playground, well, they should come up with something that's not pretty much the same thing. But it's the thing that Apple has access to software features that Tile doesn't, which I think is the which is bugging yeah, Tile a little does. bit. I think I, I think, think I think the I think the thing the I mean if Apple want to release a tracking tag, I don't have a problem with that. They'll probably be stupid expensive, but um, where it could be unfair, I mean I think Donnie said to me something about um, about maybe the the tracking would make use of the camera so it you know how like with your tile or other bluetooth tracker basically you can ping it and it will go beep 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 and it, you know you have right. to try and track it down by sound um there are rumors and they are only rumors as far as i understand it that you know the air tags you'll be able to effectively you know hold up your iphone and uh with the camera it will use some kind of ar technology to you know, basically point you to where the where the um the air tag is. Now, I'm pretty sure that people like Tile or Nut or other you know uh, similar Bluetooth tracking tag uh, companies uh, probably do not have access to the camera. Or um, in which case, that would probably I would probably say that that is you know a bit naughty if Apple bring out something. Um, unless Apple can prove that there's a piece of technology that they're using, which, you know, they have every right to keep secret because it's, you know, corporate patented secret source technology. Um, I'd say they're probably slightly on the wrong, in the wrong. Um, 
Oh, very much so. I mean, would it hurt Apple if they they have these APIs, they give them to Tile, and then you've got a choice of uh, Tile or Apple Tags? Because, I mean, I'll tell you what we should do here is we should take a guess. How much do we think? Uh, what, what would Apple do? What would be a very Apple way to... It, it will be one tag, I'm going to say, will be about $40. Mm, I don't think... The, prob, the problem is... Yeah, you, you wouldn't be able to sell any at that price, especially with the, the target market for this. And but then, the yeah, but we've just got a 400 everything. quid keep. Well, yeah, the, the difference is is that that's, that's a rather large item, whereas these tiles are meant to attach to other goods and services that you can then, uh, like, for example, if you have, you own a grocery store and you put, you have a bunch of pre-programmed tiles that will go on various bits and pieces that you have that you're selling in your grocery store. Well, in theory, people put all their stuff into a cart and they wouldn't even have to check out if, if they have an Apple, uh, you know, an Apple account with Apple pay or whatever, the mere fact that you're taking items that are tagged or tiled and putting them into the cart would start the payment process. At which point when you say, okay, I'm done shopping, you hit a button and it goes, okay, well, you've got this, 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 and this, and we're going to charge you this. And then it emails you a receipt. That would be quite scary to walk into an Apple store, pick something up. It knows that I've been in there. And then just walk out with it, and it's like, oh, look at that! I've just bought so and so. Yeah. Well, that, that, well it, it's not that far from what they do now. I was going to say, isn't, isn't that pretty much how it works now? That, um... Well, there is still some human interaction now, but it, if everything, if all, if all of the merchandise that are with, that's within the Apple Store has these tags, then when you know you you pick up an item and you click on your phone okay i'm going to purchase this and so the phone sees it the phone sees the tile the store sees your phone and it starts the process of okay well let's start putting this list together of things that that this person is going to buy based on what they have picked up and what they have said they were going to buy and then when they walk out of the store and you've got a you know a special entryway f- for this. They walk out of the store and says, "Okay, you've just walked out with this, 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 and this, and, just, and here's what it's going to cost you, and you're done." I just the only thing I'm thinking about that is if you wouldn't wouldn't tags be overkill for that? Couldn't they do that with a just an NFC sticker? I think Amazon does it right now, and they're in their in-person grocery stores, don't they? Yeah, something very similar. Yeah, they have very minimal staffing in in those stores i haven't been in one yet but i've i've heard about them so there we I go i remember hearing reading a rumor about the pricing and it was actually a f- cheaper than you would expect like around 20 dollars, or like they were going to sell a three pack or something like that but i don't remember where i read that a while back well they would have to be a lot cheaper than that and you know we're at the point now where you could have paper tiles you know, just a, a that has just a, a super cheap little something inside of it that is identifiable by a serial number that you'd say, okay, well, well, this little item here that's identified by this number is going to go on this device, which is going to cost this this amount of money, and you don't have to have specialized tiles for eggs, and then another specialized one. I keep calling them tiles uh, tags. Uh, for milk or bacon or any of the rest of that, it wouldn't matter because when you know so you give uh, an employee a sheet of these things, 
and they start to apply them to various items. And as they scan those, those, those tiles, the system knows, okay, well, this is going on a cart full of eggs. And when you put those out onto the, uh, you know, into the, the general population of where people are going to come and, and pick them up, then they know when you pick that up, that, that you as a user of whether it's tile or whether it's Apple tags or what have you have picked up item X and it costs X amount of money. And when you hit your final button for checkout, that's what they're going to charge you. But the, the tags themselves need to be of a minimal cost. Otherwise you may as well just have a cashier. Well, that's in, in that example. Yeah. In that example, but is that, but then that seems a little bit too mainstream for Apple. That, that, that yeah. I think there would be other pro. I think NFC's got that sort of thing covered if they, if or maybe. But I don't know. I, These are more aimed at finding your keys and finding your wallet and finding your backpack. And yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of complicated, not invented here systems that would all have to work together. Whereas the advantage that Apple has is, you know, they create the the tags. They create the uh, uh, those. The, what were they called? Um, the Bluetooth little devices. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Oh, the beacons. Beacons. Yes, beacons. And they create the software that keeps track of all this stuff. And I would assume they would also uh, create the software that would allow you to assign a tag to, you know, and automate the process, assign a tag to a particular item. So it's, it's all from one vendor and one source and your uh, maintenance costs and, and, the other costs related to support are less because it's just from one vendor. Mm. Okay. Well, for what it's, it's worth, like it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. So close. <laughs> so close. Well, for, for, for what it's worth, chaps, uh, the tile mate four pack on uh, Amazon US. So a four pack of the basic uh, tile Bluetooth trackers um, with a 200 foot Bluetooth range uh is 200 foot bluetooth range that's what they claim don't you yeah know. you would need more than that a four pack here is retailing at no i don't want that 55 dollars for a pack of four right but see you couldn't apply that into a grocery store like no. scenario no not at all i mean those are you know these are your key fob put one right. on your keys put one on your phone put one you know Put one in your laptop bag, whatever. Um, I've tried a few of these tile things, and what I've basically just work on you going out of distance of the tile. I did a test once. I was in the middle of a field, and it wasn't a tile. It was like a third party, you know, jumping on the bandwagon thing. And I put the tile, sorry, this tracking fob. I won't try one tile, tile, tile with the same uh, experience. And I put it down and I walked out of range. And fair enough, it worked out of range. But the problem was it took, I walked past it at a fairly normal walking pace, I would say. And it was so slow to react. I'd walk past it and out of range before it had done anything. And that, that's what worries me about this 200 foot range. Okay, that's brilliant. You're, you know, you're 200 feet away <coughs> from an item. Say, for example, you leave your bag on the train and you start walking off and the train's, you know, not quite departing yet. It's going to be 200 feet away before it lets you know where it last was. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. I mean, I um, I had some nut uh, Bluetooth trackers um, and I didn't have mine on the separation mode because that's really annoying because every time you walk away from the damn thing that you put the tag on, 
your phone starts going off. But I, I did have it in the the opposite mode, which is finding mode. So that basically when you can't find your keys, you bring up the app on your phone and tap it and it goes beep, 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 sets the bleeper off as long as it's in within range. So that's um that's a different kind of reverse use of it. But um I'm pretty sure that these air tags that's what they're gonna be aiming for, rather than what guy's talking so I'll about. Get, I'll revise my prediction. I think twenty five dollars a tag is what I'm gonna go for. I hard to say. I think twenty five for two. I think uh, fifty for for a dollar is is <laughs> the magic number. <laughs> Seriously, if you want well, to use these, that's the way tail- you want to, That's that's what the way you're saying to use them. But as as a key fob, it's two different uses. I think it could evolve into the food store type of thing. But as a key fob, it's a totally different device than the little things you're talking about for the stores. And I think these are more of the key fob type of device for now. Anyway, put them on your cat. See where your cat is going. today. But it can only go 200 feet away. (laughs) Well, they know where their food is. They're not going to go far. See, I just, I'm just thinking that what guys, what guys talking about, you're talking, you're thinking more about like NFC, NFC stickers, which you can already buy, you know, for what they're, 50 cents a piece or something yeah well it needs to be even less than that there we go imagine so, putting them on two animals like a dog or animals in a zoo and having an app draw the pattern it makes as they run around all over the place and then selling them as elephant paintings yeah. or I think it's a big chance too much you're going to be scared that someone's going to steal your tile <laughs> put, them on do- put, them, put them on dolphins and we find out that that their movements is actually a uh uh, a way that they communicate with other people. Yeah. Well, there is one other thing here. It's like with, with the actual tile is the the whole thing that makes tile so good is that if you uh, it's basically crowdsourcing. So let's say you and your friends and you're out somewhere and you're surrounded by strangers who've got tiles and you lose what is attached to your tile, it will crowdsource and then update a database that and then updates you as to where it is. That's a whole lot of data sharing, which that, Apple doesn't like to do. Going. Well, no, because the thing... It's, it's data sharing that, that the other people don't necessarily have, you know, that they haven't necessarily signed up for. The, the, one of the no, things... you have I, to turn that feature on when you set up the Tile app. Yeah, but the, um, one of the things that has been rumored about the tags, Apple's tags, is that effectively they will mesh connect to any like ios device so that if you lose something every ios device in the world would be able to kind Start of looking find it. it yeah because you go register this device as lost and every ios device in the world would if not actively seek it but if it picked up the signal would mesh send the location to you that I mean, how doable that is and whether that's real, I don't know. But that is one of the rumoured capabilities. And if so, that, of course, again, would be something that Tile don't have access to. Um, they do have this well, crowdsourced version of it. They, they have their own crowdsourced thing, admittedly. But that, you know, that only works where people have the Tile app and have turned on that, um, that facility, the ability to... Um, you know, detect and share the information about um, lost tags. There you go. $25 a tag. 
is is will these become actually come out or will they go the way of the um air was it air power yeah the charging mat or will they be like the rumored apple tv that never showed up that people <laughs> talked and talked and talked and talked and talked well, that mossberg talked and talked about. and talked about well um no gene munster gene munster was yeah. the one was the right. one who was obsessed right. by the uh the physical apple tv um, and they were going to produce an actual TV, and everybody kept saying, no, they won't, no, they won't, and he wouldn't let go of it until <laughs> Apple obviously were not going to produce an actual TV. There we go. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. Apparently, you know, this accidentally confirms the air tags, but Apple then promptly deleted said video. So... Um, the, the, um, the new iPhone SE was also... Um, accidentally revealed in a Belkin listing on Apple site, I think it was, for a screen protector. Yeah. <laughs> no, for a case. A case. I think yeah, well, what, anyway, yeah. Uh, seemed to be a lot of... Change the eight to the SE. Uh, a lot of uh, accidental leaks. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Or are they not accidental? Oh, probably not exactly. accidental at all, exactly. I am not paranoid. Why are you all against me? <laughs> It's not paranoia if they really are out to get you, guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. An, an accidental leak is a good way to get people talking about your company. Again. It is indeed. Like to keep that share price up. Got to keep that share price up. And another leak. A leaked iOS 14 screenshot shows a new wallpaper settings and beta code reveals widgets for the home screen. Again, allegedly. This is 9 to 5 Mac, this one. Um... Well, thank goodness no one else has ever done widgets on a home screen before. Microsoft, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Nine to five Mac reported last month that Apple was working on that. It does. Yeah, Android does that too. Um, the, the people are obsessed about it, about Apple doing widgets. I don't know why. Why the bloody hell does anybody, you know, what's so great it's about widgets? customizable or you're locked down and you're a sheep and all that sort of stuff. The screenshot revealed a new home screen appearance option. Well, you see, it it makes sense. It makes sense with a large screen. It does not make sense to me on something as small as an iPhone. What I have enjoyed on, uh, which I suppose is widget esque, is if you're in WhatsApp and someone sends you a video link. I love the ability when it puts it down to a window and I can carry on typing and watching. And I know Android have been able to do that for years, but I'm liking that. That's a that needs to come to iOS. That needs to be baked into messages. Like, so if you send me a link, I can carry on talking to you. I don't have to jump into that single pane mode. Yes, that's true. True. That it, that can be, be nice just to be able to pick up. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Yeah, Mark's right because that is annoying. Like, for example, you know, my daughter sent me a video, um, but I, you know, if I tap on video, then the video takes over the whole damn phone. I can't have the video playing and type a reply to her at the same time because you know the sort of videos that my daughter sends me are usually about 10 seconds long they're usually a, you know of some small happening so you know i don't really need it to take over the whole damn phone that would be a nice feature well you say that no that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a point well made that, uh, guy, guy, Oh, I love it. I love it. Right, boys, shall we Shall we have a five, uh, you know, shall we take five to get a coffee, uh, you know, or whatever, and uh, we'll come back after the short interlude and uh, finish off the show. Wonderful. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Okay. 
And we're back again after a long off-air discussion about steaks and uh, American diners that serve ludicrous amounts of food. Uh, Donnie has supplied us with a picture of what is supposed to be a sandwich, but how uh, a slice of bread with a foot of meat and then another slice of bread can be described as a sandwich is beyond me. But there you go. It's not? I think I might actually use that for the shows, <laughs> for the show art. Oh, I might call it, and you're going to eat that. Right, there we go. Um, So that we've been going was, quite a while, and we've done all the Apple stories, so there's not much else. So we're going to go to the security and privacy section where we're going to talk about Zoom. Um, Zoom, of course, having launched themselves into uh, the public consciousness during this, uh, you know, COVID-19 afflicted age um, as the uh, what web conferencing application of, uh, well, I was going to say choice, but I'm not sure. After you listen to this, you might not be so keen. Um, How can we just address something here? How did it come onto people's radar? What was the what was the main catalyst? Because. I'd never heard of Zoom. I've heard of Cisco, WebEx, and all those horrible things. But Zoom, unsurprisingly, passed by. How did it get to be so popular? Does anyone I, know what, what the origin, origins were? I've been wondering the whole thing, the same thing, because all of a sudden, all the schools are using Zoom. All the, all some of my mother's doing a Zoom with my cousin to see his baby. And I don't know, it, it came out of nowhere. Uh, because it's, it's, they, it's been around for a long time. Um, yeah, but it was enterprise only, wasn't it? Or um, no, no, no. It was, it was, it was. You know, it was another VoIP like Skype and and others. Um, they mostly pushed the enterprise solutions because, of course, you know that that's where they made all their money. Uh, the, the the part of the story that usually seems to get passed over in most of these is that a lot of these issues that people are now talking about have been known and discussed for quite some time it's just until everyone was stuck at home and had no other way to to communicate to you know their offices in in mass you know to do like teleconferencing and things along those lines um for the for the most part nobody really talked about it and i know where i work um i went into work on friday and there was a an email that was being passed around basically saying because of of what has been discovered supposedly about zoom over the the course of the last few weeks that we're no longer allowed to use it. And, you know, again, it's not like these issues were new and I guess we haven't really talked about what some of those issues are. Do you mind if I keep going? No, you carry on. Okay. Um, some of the issues involving zoom, number one, uh, some people have been able to hack into conversations between other people and they kind of they call it here zoom zoom bonding or bombing yeah zoom and bombing, just, yeah. you'll suddenly just hear like a, a, a tirade of cursing or or whatever just to disrupt the conversation and the other thing is zoom kind of has positioned itself in their in their marketing as being end-to-end encryption well as it turns out that's not necessarily true it's you know if you're on the outside you're you're not supposed to be able to break in and hear private conversations but as it turns out the company itself owns the encryption keys so anyone who has access to the streams between people or or companies or whatever can also listen in 
and uh, things along the lines of files or photographs or, or just whatever might be being passed in between were also accessible to other third-party people there within Zoom. And as it turns out, there were certain conversations that were also passed through to China. Shock, shock, surprise, shock. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now the, the CEO of Zoom, and I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Maybe somebody else can fill that in. Um, hang uh, on. Let me have a look. Um, oh, the CEO who uh, basically said sort of today mistakes were made. Yeah. In, in, and the uh, I love the And this is what tipped me off because he said we were primarily an enterprise first company. So again, like Donnie's is also wondering, how are they come to such notoriety? Well, and the fact that, you know, they, they call themselves an enterprise-focused company, but then they're turning around and, and being able to intercept conversations but that were assumed to be private between individuals in the companies they work for, as well as whatever other information, files and folders that might be passed in between. That's That's... You know, that's that's something that is is really, really hard to swallow for you to sit there and say, oh, well, yeah, we made a mistake when we sent all that information to China. It's like, oh, OK, uh, yeah. you know, there's mistakes and then there's mistakes. Yeah. Uh, the mistake I've made is realizing I've not looked out the window and it's now raining and my washing is outside. Damn it. Sorry to take away from the gravitas of this situation. Uh, <laughs> uh, it just makes you wonder, isn't See, if it? If you had Dark Sky, you would have known that already. I've got. That's a good point. <laughs> I was going to say you need to use guys weather weather app. Yeah, just, just look, look outside. Out oh, hey, it's <laughs> nice and sunny here. I said, yeah, well, I suppose what I could have actually done is turn on the webcam, pointed it outside. Oh no, but no, I can't turn on my webcam because my webcam will fail the coronavirus test. Forbes, <laughs> Forbes, are you listening? <laughs> You're no, leading. you made a clickbait title out of coronavirus. Uh, Donnie, you probably didn't hear this earlier on. The there's a uh, sorry, we will come back to Zoom, but I've got to get this off my chest before I run and get my wash in. There was an article today that Forbes posted: MacBook, uh, Apple's MacBook fails a coronavirus oh. test. Now, from that title, dear Donnie, what would you guess the article was about? The camera in the MacBook Air. Did I just say that bit? I did, didn't I? I think <laughs> I need to get help. <laughs> as, uh, as, how do you shoehorn Apple fails the coronavirus test because it's got a hasn't got a 4K webcam? Oh, it's oh. so stupid. There we go. Um, now the this I'm uh, I'm kind of assuming here, reaching a bit, but um, as I are we back on Zoom? Yes, we're going back to Zoom. The the the, okay. the uh, my assumption is that the the reason that Zoom became so popular is because like um the original skype it was it's very easy to use it's very easy to install and very easy to use i mean um original skype was technically a you know security nightmare because it poked all sorts of holes into your firewall but it caught on because it was you know you just downloaded it and said yes and it worked and at the time um all the other voice over ip um, you know, apps that were out there were far more complicated to set up and a lot less easy to use. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't know how Skype compares now, but that's a, we're talking about a long time ago. But even though 
security people were saying, you know, Skype pikes all these holes in your firewall. People didn't care. They were using it because it was easy to install and easy to use. And I'm assuming, to a large extent, that Zoom has come prominence for much the same reason. Because as far as I can see, compared to a lot of its competitors, it is really simple to use. And it does have a fairly, you know, wide... And um, um, robust... And a fairly, you know, good set of tools. You can do screen sharing, you know, the the host can mute people and and all that sort of thing. Um, so that's my guess. I don't have any, I don't have any, you know, corroboration of that. But um, the, the main thing, yes, does seem to be that actually it is riddled with security flaws and has been for some time. Um, Zoom has added new security and privacy measures to prevent Zoom bombing, which I think that was I think that came out today, along with Zoom vows to win back user trust with extensive security review. Uh, links to both of those in the show notes. Um, but yes, I don't. The thing is, I've looked. I've got an article here. I've got two articles actually by by Glenn Glenn Fleischman, who was on the other week. Um, every Zoom security and privacy flaw so far. And what you can do to protect yourself. It's a and rather long article. It is a long article by by Glenn. Um, and a second one, video conferencing options in the age of pandemic. Again by Glenn, uh, where he takes a look at the alternatives. Uh, and to be honest, I can still, despite all that, I can see why Zoom is so popular. Because if you compare it to the alternatives... What you can do with it for free, it, you know, it kind of outguns most of the competition. Even if you have to pay, I think the um, I think the lowest paid level is something like fifteen dollars for the for the host. I mean, you look at the other enterprise solutions, and you start looking at you know eight dollars per month per user. I mean, that soon adds up to a hell of a lot of money. Um. I mean, we're using it. Our Mac user group is using it to host what are now, you know, short weekly meetings because we can, you know, um, we can telecast to the sort of 40 or 50 people who want to want to log in. Um, And if anybody wants to spy on our Mac user meeting, I'm sure nobody really cares. But um, obviously, if you work for the government, then, yeah, using something that's riddled with security holes is probably not a great plan. Um, a very bad thing. Very, very bad indeed. Well, I'm I'm surprised that companies are allowed to use it because any big corporation has to go for a massive, massive vetting process, and the IT departments get audited as well. So I'm surprised you know it got that far. Yeah, I think part of it was the flaws weren't apparent to people that that don't work directly for Zoom. So. You know, and and also, I mean, remember as well that sometimes there are these companies that end up getting a, a free pass because they are either media darlings or IT department darlings, and there are people within these departments that are like, well, that's that's what we use, that's what we've always used, that's what we're going to continue to use, and if you want to use something else, too bad. This just came through my uh, RSS feed from Engadget. That's. Literally, school districts ban Zoom over security concerns. And uh, districts like New York and in Nevada and other states are banning the use of Zoom right now because of all these concerns. Yeah. And it's not, and again, it's not like any of this 
wasn't previously known. So, you know, it, well, I it think shows someone, laziness is what it shows. Someone in the, um, in the Slack at some point said, I wonder if they'd be patching all this stuff if it wasn't for all this, for it being so widely used now because of the virus they, situation. They wouldn't. Uh, well, the easy way to look at that is go to the App Store and have a look at the update history. In fact, why don't I do that? Let's do a bit of investigative journalism. I think what? <laughs> I know it's it. Let's go and have a look. So, I mean, look, I'm looked, you know, scanning through uh, Glenn's uh, suggested, you know, alternatives. Well, well, overview of things. Realistically, um, you know, FaceTime is discounted because it's basically got a horrible interface. Um, with no moderation controls. Uh, Google Hangouts, uh, I don't know, it's Google. That's probably, yeah. <laughs> that's probably, or well, maximum of 25 participants. So um, Skype. Microsoft. Up to 50 people in a video conference. Then you've got uh, Zoom, obviously with all the caveats of that. And below that, WebEx, which I'd never heard of. Cisco WebEx. Oh, God, that's horrible. Oh, you know, imagine the, most, imagine the most corporate app you could ever devise a corporation making. That there is your, is your WebEx. It's, it's oh, oh, where's my blood pressure tablet? Well, is, is this one of the things where they spent more time and money in figuring out the name for it than for the actual app itself? Yes, everything looks awful and gaudy. But oh, it's like little things. Like oh, no, I'm no, I'm no. My blood pressure ain't going to take this. And it says here, oddly, it will take several days for WebEx to create your account after you sign up. Apparently, which is a bit weird. No, nope, um, because it's a corporate. <laughs> this is the, if you look at it, it's basically. It looks like they're hanging on to the remains of whatever Internet Explorer 10 could offer. Mm. It's horrible. It interferes with the system. It has so many hooks and things. Oh, oh, oh it's everything. Well, tell, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> you know, you know, back in ye days, before Cisco bought Links, this they became all consumer friendly and stuff like that. And you know, anyone with like a little bit of knowledge could get on with it. That Cisco, sorry, WebEx is the Cisco before they bought Linksys. Okay. That's a horrible analogy, I've just realised. <laughs> well, so there you go. According to you, WebEx is horrible. Um, I don't know, but, I mean, Glenn knows, you know, what he's doing. And to be honest, none of them look exactly like what you'd call an ideal solution. And through, re poison. Re reading through that, I can see why Zoom has, um, you know, risen because, as I say, it appears to offer an awful lot, uh, especially on the free app, um, and is very simple to use. Whereas, you know, I mean, <laughs> convenience for many people often tops security. Um, Doesn't WhatsApp have multiple um, thingies, what's it called, participants? Uh, yeah, but we're talking about doing the teleconferencing, aren't we? That's the point. That yeah, it's, Again, it, it's very much the holding holding meetings, you know, where people can have forty or fifty people online and somebody leading the meeting. Um, I mean, yeah, sure, if you want to have 
you know, a four or five way video chat. I'm sure there's, you know, there's lots of apps. I'm sure if you wanted to use FaceTime with four or five people, that's probably bearable. But um, because of the way it works, if you've got 30 people online, it's going to be horrible. Um, Just like WebEx. <laughs> Uh, I have a hatred for these sort of things because despite people getting these like Jabra uh, microphones that you put on the desk, they still shout as if I know what I can do to make the audio quality clearer is I'll shout a little bit harder. Um, I don't know how, how does Skype compare? Um, we were surprised to find that. Why I never a contender. Was it just because of moderation stuff again? Uh, no, probably because I, I suspect uh, Glenn possibly didn't know about Wire. Um, but I think if if you want to do uh, multi-person video calling, you have to have one of the enterprise paid solutions. You can only do one-to-one video, I think, in in Wire on the free tier. So, um, but yes, I might I might just poke him about that and say you should add wire at least to the paid solutions but uh, be all that as it may um i can see why i mean that the only thing that glenn th- seems to think even comes close to zoom for um ease of use is is skype um which we had to revert to today we did today yes but then we're only doing you know we're only doing a, a like a four-way audio um <coughs> That's about it, really. But yes, so if you're interested in finding out just how horribly security sieve-like Zoom actually is, you can read Glenn's piece. Um, And I think, chaps, that's probably about it. I don't think we've got much more to say, have we? We've mentioned Monument Valley is going free. Oh, and I've got a snippet here. Um, I think Donnie might have posted this, actually. This adapter turns a standard CarPlay into a wireless CarPlay, and it actually works. Uh, and that's a link to 9 to 5 Mac. Uh, did you you posted that, didn't you, Donnie? Yeah, I did. And um, I actually took a chance and ordered it from Amazon. So I'll let you know if it really works. If it doesn't, it'll be going back. But um, if I could have wireless CarPlay, that'd be great. Not having to take my phone out of my pocket every time I get in the car and connect it and so we'll see. To be continued. Yeah, that will, that will be worth a follow-up, definitely. So, uh, I think we'll wrap the show up now, because we've been yakking on for hours and hours, most of which I'll probably have to cut out, because nobody really cares about our discussions about uh, Dandelion and Burdock, or <laughs> English fish shop scraps. But on Patreon is a bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> bonus episode if you want to hear some utterly trivial and not on tech You're at having all sleeping issues <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have trouble sleeping download the essential apple sleep aid issue there we go uh right so uh let's let's start mark where can people find you thank you Find me on the Twitter at Ocean Speed, or if you want to hear more of my ramblings, I'm on a bit of a new podcast with co-host of, with my co-host from the Mac and Forth show, Mr. Carl Madden. Go onto the iTunes store and look for the Watching Men podcast, which is a media-related podcast. Something completely out of my depth, but we've had a couple of good episodes, I think. <laughs> Although that might be subjective. <laughs> but well, you... it is Carl Madden. <laughs> 
Yes, it is Carl Madden, and it is Mark, and uh, Mark really, really doesn't like Picard very much, and nor does Carl, for that matter, but there we go. That's, uh, you know, it's entertaining to listen to, that's for sure. Uh, Donnie, do you wish to, uh, you know, give us a pricey of at least part of your publishing empire? We'll keep it short, R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R on Twitter for everything, and uh, all the apps, books, and everything else will be in the show notes. Jolly good. Uh, Guy? Yeah, I do the MyMac.com podcast every single weekend with Mr. Gazmaz, as well as Wednesday nights I do a live cast at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Mac to the Future. Uh, I am on Twitter. I am MacParrot and Vert Shark over there on the Twitters. Uh, my email address is Guy at MyMac.com. And uh, what else? Oh, you can contribute to the things that i do with patreon patreon.com forward slash mac parrot coffee.com ko-fi.com forward slash mac parrot and paypal.me forward slash mac parrot and i'm seeing that there's a pattern there <laughs> hmm. and uh i am of course on the twitter as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k all of our stuff is over at essentialapple.com uh, thank you to everybody who supports the show. And I think, uh, what else do I need to mention? If you want to join our Slack group, uh, follow the link in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested in photography and want to join Mac Jim's uh, Flickr, Essential Apple Flickr, uh, again, follow the no show notes link. And I think that's enough of us. I think we're going to wrap it up. So until another show, goodbye. Cheerio! Bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I forgot. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait. Go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next. Thank you.
the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.